I'd like to thank you for inviting me on the show. It's such an honour to be here and I'd just like to say that when I'm not playing Xbox with my mate Thor, I really like to listen to my favourite podcast, Pop Culture Pasta. Pop Culture Pasta. Oh, so Cody, I came straight from a friend's giving. As one does this time of year. I, I'm, I'm feeling very full. I, uh, I don't know that eating a lot is conducive to good podcasting. We'll find out. You will be the <laughs> guinea pig. This is going to be the worst pod ever. <laughs> I'm going to have to carry my weight and then some. I, I will report that mac and cheese was a side at our friend's giving. Thank God. I, if you listen to Cody and me across all our platforms. So many of the platforms. You know that we are fighting to make mac and cheese a staple of Thanksgivings. The good fight, if you will. And probably Christmas dinners, too. Um, there really isn't that many meals that mac and cheese should not be offered, at least. I agree. And not the newfangled mac and cheese that like barbecue joints try to pass off where it's mac and cheese but it's then it's like covered with some sort of meat and barbecue sauce i want none of that nonsense not during the holidays no no it's not it's not right anyways i'm stuffed i ate too much cheese ball oh yeah you ever had a cheese ball where it's like it's i guess the fancy youngins would call it charcuterie um but crackers and then there's like this molded cheese ball with layers of cheese yeah, I mean, that, that's been around for a hot sec. Oh, yeah, it's old-fashioned. Yeah. But yet still high society. Um, pinky out. Yeah, I ate too much with the pinky out. I, I probably ate half that cheese ball because we were waiting for the food, and I didn't. So, look, this is the deal. Friendsgiving, Thanksgiving, whatever you want to call it, I don't eat that day to, to save up. Oh. Yeah, you, you got to get, like, a protein bar in. And then I, I sat right in front of where the ch- charcuterie, the cheese ball was. And I just ate too much cheese ball. It was, it was, it was a rookie mistake. Mm. Um, this is the pop culture pastor podcast. Usually not super heavy on the food, but I, I, we, we talk more about it on the radio for sure. We mix it in a yeah. dash of food, but pop culture includes food. Oh Yeah. And uh, this is like my favorite, like, listen, after Christmas, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. And it's simply just because about the food, not because I'm grateful. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I am grateful. (laughs) That's not the highlight. It's the food, man. I'm grateful for the food. Okay. (laughs) That's great. It's really, um, I'm kind of ashamed of it, actually, when I think about it, because it's really an American, ugly American holiday. We gorge ourselves on too much food. I think it happens elsewhere, although it's just not celebrating the pilgrims meeting indigenous people and surviving a winter. Yeah. Yeah. What? Wait, what do you mean? I think that other places celebrate. <laughs> oh, I thought you were telling me that story wasn't, wasn't no. true. No. It, I, is, it is true. There was just other interactions that didn't go so well yeah no i i wasn't going to bring up the good the bad and the ugly of thanksgiving but let's talk about this the beanie you're wearing what's what's going on with that you're looking kind of hipster um it's kind of chilly outside 
I didn't dress for the weather. And this beanie was made in Haiti. And uh, <laughs> like I purchased it at a Christian concert and like all the proceeds went to the people that made the beanie. So. Or so they said. I am choosing to believe, I think it was Thousand Foot Crutch that had the booth. Oh, okay. All right. TFK, as the kids say. Uh, you sent me a, um, a listing, a house listing sometime this week. I really think this is the new pop culture pastor headquarters. Yeah. The house from the Goonies is for sale in Astoria, Oregon for $1.6 million plus three bedrooms, two bath, 2,300 square feet. And I mean, it is literally the house uh, that Mikey lives in Mikey and brand. It's got that cool deck patio. I'm, I'm all about this. I, th- I think we should move. So if there are any uh, patrons, uh, underwriters that <laughs> would love to see this podcast go out west is this is this what we they do patreons for i think so can our fans buy us a house in astoria oregon like look they've got it made up like there's even the little statue on the coffee table in the living room that they have to glue well you know back yes. together <laughs> this is amazing i just can't believe it it looks exactly the way it looked in the movie and that's probably intentional we would have to become a video podcast at that point yeah it's amazing and i really wanted to move when i was a kid i wanted to live in astoria oregon and be a goonie because i had no friends and the thought of lifelong friends who had adventures together was just super appealing to me that's why it was my favorite movie when i was a kid well be thankful you didn't go out there why not because one of the friends would have gone to Middle Earth to get rid of a ring. The other friend would have been wiping out half of the known existence. And the other friend, you know, took a wrong turn in Hollywood. Yeah. With, with another Corey. <laughs> and then one went into hiding and finally decided, oh, I'll come back. Yeah. I don't know. The, the, yeah, the continuation of the story is never, always never good. Yeah. But yeah, I want to buy the Goonies house. So uh, just to keep that in mind, pop culture pastor listeners. I don't know if this is a tax write-off, but check with your certified public accountants. Yeah, we're probably going to have to get a loan on this one. Get a loan. <laughs> we'll go in it together. How's your credit? Um, it's okay. I, I just really need uh, Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness to go through. Of the $1.6 million dollars, we can put down a down payment where we only have to get a mortgage for, for 1.59 million. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think between us, we could put up a thousand, right? Oh yeah. All right. Yeah. That's make those payments real low. <laughs> Do we have enough collateral? That's the, that's the interesting part. Probably not. Huh? Um, I don't think, yeah, I think if any, I think if we together owned enough stuff that added up to $1.5 million, well, we wouldn't be doing this nonsense. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but instead, here we are recording a podcast just for you. Uh, Dave and Cody. Thanksgiving week. It is. It's Thanksgiving. Um, what, do you have any big plans for Thanksgiving? Um, I got two Thanksgivings 
the day of and the next day. Oh, that's the sweet life right there. It is. Holy cow. That's the good stuff. I'm going Friendsgiving to our Thanksgiving tomorrow. Uh, of course, family in-laws, my in-laws. And um, yeah, we're going to go there and there's uh, good food awaiting. That's all that matters. Food and family. I'm pretty full now. So if I wake up, just uh, grab the uh, stun gun over there and give me a good stunner. <laughs> and uh, wake me up because I'm phew, I'm a little rough right now. Uh, yeah. Okay. This is Pop Culture Pastor. Welcome to our podcast. We got a lot to talk about um, this week. We're going to talk about the pop culture this year that we're thankful for. Yes. Uh, or this just pop culture we're thankful for in general this time. And uh, we're going to, but first we're going to go out to the lobby. You want to go out to the lobby? It's been a hot second. It has. Uh, meet us out in the lobby and we'll answer some of your questions. We'll be right back. Welcome to the lobby. All right, welcome back. We are out in the lobby, and what we do out in the lobby is, first of all, we get snacks. As one does. I don't, I don't know if I'm into the snacks, though, today, because I'm full from the Friendsgiving, but uh, definitely got a Mountain Dew in hand. Got to get, got to have the caffeine. We're, we're late night recording here. Do the do. Doing the... <laughs> well, no, we can't say that. They don't pay us. Um, that was D-O and <laughs> D-O-O. <laughs> Uh, unless uh, they want a sponsor all right we we've got you've got questions we I, need to answer them yeah um david allen from florida he says uh in honor of jdf which uh jason what's his name oh my goodness jason david frank is that his name yes uh he of course died tragically this past week uh he says which ranger uh, that he portrayed was best and why and i i'm sorry to say dave um that it's green <laughs> <laughs> i know no. that he portrayed the white ranger as well and maybe even the red i feel like he was in several iterations green ranger because oh he was phenomenal okay and i'm glad you have an answer for that because I got nothing. That Power gets, Rangers out of your time frame. Yeah, so I'm I'm well into my adult young adult years by the time Mighty Morphin Power Rangers are a thing. And thus they're not a part of my growing up. They're not a part of my formative years. And then I was out like, you know, pop culture's not as big in my life when I'm young and cool. Think I'm cool? Too cool for Power Rangers. And trying to pick up chicks <laughs> unsuccessfully. Um <laughs> all the ladies dig the power rangers uh, so yeah i just i never that never hit i ne i wasn't exposed to it. it just never hits me um so as a kid like i'm too young to like really like be like oh this actor is really cool you yeah know? okay so but like i remember the the original and it's like yeah green ranger I do have some Mighty Morphin Power Ranger Funko NFTs. I just have the regular. You have regular Funkos. Power Ranger Funko. I knew that. I knew you had some of those. Yeah. Um, he, he goes on to say, I would love to be part of a Mighty Morphin Pop Culture Pastor podcast. Okay, so we might have to do a Be Kind Rewind. 
Well, I mean, David, yeah, we'd love to have you on, but you'd have to carry it. Because like, I don't know that we have a lot to add. I mean, Cody clearly knows a little bit more than I do. I know nothing about oh. Power Rangers. Like, my knowledge of Power Rangers was when I first saw it, I thought, oh, is this a Voltron ripoff? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's derivative. It's derivative. Everything's derivative. Yes. Now, like, I had the cool toys that would morph into, like, all the separate pieces would then combine, and then you'd be the collective unit that's literally voltron (laughs) (laughs) um well they did in power rangers as well um and also superhuman samurai cyber squad what with super what uh whaty whaty uh starring a matthew lawrence not to be confused with his brother joey um uh, side note joey lawrence making a comeback (laughs) appearing in a christian movie with Michael W. Smith, co-starring with Michael W. Smith, contemporary worship singer, dubs, um, and friend of George W. Bush, Michael W. Smith. Um, I no relation to George W. Bush. I don't know if there, <laughs> <laughs> if we can call that a comeback. Uh, yeah, it's we. That's weird, right? Will he? Will he go? Whoa! In the movie. Because that's like his catchphrase when he was on Blossom. For those of you who don't know who Joey Lawrence is, this is more my my time. Uh, he was on a sitcom called Blossom with Miam Bialik, like when they were teenagers. I think they were teenagers at the time. And Joey Lawrence was like a heartthrob. He had this beautiful head of flowing hair. And now he's bald. Like he went bald super early. And I don't know if that was what killed his career or the fact that he was just a teenage heartthrob who couldn't really act. Um, he had a hit show. I want to say it was on Disney channel called brotherly love. Did he? Where his other two brothers were on it as well, including Matthew, probably the most talented of the Lawrence's. (laughs) That's a tough one. That's a tough (laughs) one. I don't know that we should make a uh, hardcore straight line decisions um, like that. He was on boy meets world as well. So, okay. well, so Joey Lawrence, like if you'd have asked anyone when I was a teenager, when blossom was on, uh, who was going to be the biggest star from that show? You would have said Joey Lawrence without a doubt. Now Mion Bialik is hosting jeopardy and pff, where's Joey Lawrence. He's in Christian movies. That's where with Michael W. Smith, who <laughs> Michael w. Smith. I wasn't sure was doing anything anymore. <laughs> he, he's like, he got nudged out of the worship game and now he's, he's taken to the movies. Kick rocks. Kirk Cameron. He's probably going to make Joey Lawrence look like, you know, George C. Scott, <laughs> like Robert Redford. <laughs> Because Michael W. Smith can't be a great actor, right? He probably is. So many, they're like, look, this is the problem with the Christian movies. It's they put these people in the Christian movies that are like Christian celebrities. Like Kurt Cameron is an aberration because he was a real actor before he was a Christian. He was. Celebrity. And so like, even then, he's not the greatest actor. He acted with DiCaprio. Who was great. Yes. Not not kirk like look the talent really went to his sister right are we in agreement there um (laughs) oh we're not because are we gonna say we're not because everyone's mad at her now because of the jojo saiwa thing we can't take a stand on this one (laughs) it's 
to Twitter, Twitter or cancel us. <laughs> we can't, we can't talk. We can't take a side. Um, all right. I don't even remember what the question was now. Um, so if we were to do a power Rangers podcast, Oh yeah. Yeah. Power Rangers. We would have to do a be kind rewind where Dave actually watched it for the first time. Yeah. And then like we would then have, in all seriousness, on. yeah. In all seriousness, um, we, so many of these stories we hear these now. Like we're even yeah, during the pandemic and just after, like now, we've even heard pastors taking their own lives. Yes, like so. This is not something that just because um, we're we're in a religion or whatever doesn't touch the people in it. And if you if you're thinking those thoughts reach out to someone yes and uh there is the new national hotline which i believe is 988 yeah yeah it's a three new three digit number let so, me double check that yeah it just like look i've been there at a point in my life where i had thoughts like that and uh, i was isolated which is not good and i, I believe it was only by the grace of god that i kind of came out of that because i was alone uh, so don't be alone. That's what I'm saying. Reach out to somebody. Yes. And as someone that works in mental health, I would say if you do feel alone or unwanted or unvalued, you are valuable. I mean, literally, you are creating God's own image. And again, that national hotline number is 988. There you go. There you go. Uh, Kyle Kessinger, who lives, um, I don't know, somewhere in Northeast Kansas. Maybe McClough or Osawatomie. I don't know. No, not Osawatomie. Oskaloosa, maybe. I don't know. Where now he'd be. you're I don't know where places. he'd be living. <laughs> he says, what's the one thing you own that if you were to lose it or it gets stolen, you'd be completely lost without it. And it can't be your family or cell phone. Oh, my cell phone. I could lose that and not weep one iota. Gosh, uh, I honestly don't know. So my car, (laughs) (laughs) dude, where's my car? Where's my car, dude? Um, so I think the thing, if I lost it and I'm going to include pets as family, um, would be honestly like if somehow the breaker went out in my house like someone just stole it mm. so then i wouldn't have access to tv electricity <laughs> <laughs> primarily tv if i misplaced my electricity <laughs> yes um that would be it but like something i would be devastated i could move on from but i'd be devastated if it got misplaced or stolen uh, would be my Nintendo 64. Like, I don't play it ever or hardly yeah. ever, Yeah. but I know where it's at, and I know, like, I can always go there, and if I'm wanting some nostalgia, break that out. Yeah. Um. First of all, Kyle, Kyle kind of cheats. Because he says, he says, mine would be my iPod. Oh, back in the day, for yeah, sure. Back in the day? He's saying it now. <laughs> I got about 5,000 songs on it and tons of playlists for all the occasions. And I want to be like, yeah, you know, Kyle, you can put that on your phone now, bro. And isn't that just like saying it's your phone? That's uh, not fair. Because like right now, 
I have Apple Music on my phone. And so like right. I'm I'm downloading songs all the time. Well, I had an iPod with all my CDs transferred onto it and it transferred over to my iPhone. I have it on my iPhone. So I don't know, Kyle. That seems like a cheat. Anyways, my answer would be okay, this is gonna get sappy. Uh-oh. So my mom, like she, when I was a baby and a kid, she kept a scrapbook. Aww. She just saved everything, right? So she saved like, she even saved like the little Valentine's cards you'd get at elementary school. Yeah. On mm-hmm. Valentine's Day, she saved everything, like glued it and taped it into this scrapbook that quickly like outgrew the scrapbook. And pretty soon it just turned into this big box. I have this big, you know, the boxes that Boy Scouts get when they go camping. The this big, the big wooden up. boxes. No, they get, they used to get boxes that they would put their stuff in when they went camping. And, um, so I have a scrapbook box basically, which basically holds my life in it. All like my old pictures. Cause like I come from a time. So when you're gen X or older millennial, you come from a time where you've lived in both worlds mm-hmm. and it's so hard. I was just talking to someone else tonight about how it's kind of a bummer. Cause I was trying to explain to them of like, I met these celebrities, but I don't have any sort of visual. Like nowadays you meet a celebrity, you take a picture with them. There's We're doing visual proof. A selfie or an ussy. I have a ussy with Shepard Smith, Shep, from formerly of Fox News, <laughs> looking all orange in his fake tan I, at, of me and Shep Smith. But I had all these other stories that I don't really have proof of. Or I played basketball a lot and was in really good shape and dunked. And I don't have any proof of that, like when I tell these stories. And so when I look back, like my life literally the the record of my life my memories are in this box at least your childhood yeah into childhood young adult years yeah and the thing is cody is i hardly ever look at it i mean i met i bet i take a look at it once every couple of years when i happen across it in the attic or whatever but if something happened to it oh man that would hurt me. Like that would hurt me. There's pictures of like my grandparents who are gone. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like we just don't, I don't have digital copies of that. Um, so my parents did something similar, but they didn't make into a fancy scrapbook. So it was just like, Oh, any memorable thing. It just goes in this box. (laughs) And then my mom one day, like, just a couple of years ago was like, I'm going to throw this away unless you want it. And I'm like, well, there could be something in it. And she's like, bunch of trash, take it. And I'm like, <laughs> how dare you? Right. That's Who do important. you think you are? I am. My mom did the same thing. Cause like it was at their house for a while after I moved out. And she basically said, you have to take this. Cause you got to get thrown out. Yep. And I think I would felt the same. I'm like, how dare you? Now it's just going to sit in my attic. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, occasionally I I do find myself being like Chevy Chase in Christmas vacation. Yes. But without a cool projector because we weren't rich like that. You know, what's funny (laughs) is when that movie first came out, that scene didn't get me at all. Mm -hmm. Now, when I watch that movie and he's in the attic watching the old home movies of their Christmases past, I tear up. I tear up because there's something about that. There, there is something as you get older when you think about the old past Christmases. I'm gonna get emotional if I keep talking about it now. Okay, we gotta move on. <laughs> uh, Scott Patrick Dillon from Springfield and Geek of the Round Table. 
What are your expectations for the upcoming Ant-Man movie? I believe he's talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania. Um, let's just rename this Kang Mania. Yeah, Kang! Because that's really what I'm watching for. I know Paul Rudd will be funny, and he won't have aged at all. And it'll be great. But I'm all about Kang, because we have been talking nonstop about Kang for years. Yeah, I'm... If, if there's one fault, like we talked about phase four last week, but yes. if there was one fault with phase four, it's just that there was too much time in between the end of Loki and when they seriously started to move in this direction. Like I wanted some more immediate things happening with Jonathan majors. I need more Jonathan majors in my life. Um, yeah, which he has a movie coming out this weekend. Is it the, uh, the air force one or the Navy one or whatever, where he's a pilot. Yeah. That looks good. It does. That looks devotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's also in Creed 3. Kang versus Killmonger. And I'm <laughs> rooting for Kang. Okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, um, Scott, my expectations for the anime movie are through the roof. But they always are for the MCU. I think this is the problem with, like, the MCU has a problem now which is they've built up this expectation. Like, look, looking back at the, the infinity saga that led up to infinity war and Endgame, That's really a miracle of movie making that those are heights that, and now everyone expects them to do that again. Like, do you know how unfair that probably is? <laughs> you did it once you could do it again. Oh man. I uh, hope so. Tell I hope that. Right. Yeah. I mean, literally Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, LeBron James. They all did it multiple times. Get on their level, Marvel. I I, I don't know about LeBron, but the other two, those two out of three are not exactly happy dudes. LeBron seems happy. (laughs) He seems okay. (laughs) Tom Brady and Michael Jordan seem pretty miserable. That is the price you pay. Price you pay for greatness. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I see where you're coming from. Um, yeah. My expectations are through the roof. I think this is like, for me, this is the corner that we're going to turn into the real multiverse saga. Although I thought that about Dr. Strange multiverse of madness. So like Ant-Man movies don't really register on my Richter scale of like high expectations. Yeah, see, this one's going to be different, though. That's what they're saying. I'm intrigued by this one looks a little bit heavier. Like, I've heard, oh, this one is supposed to be different a thousand times. (laughs) And like, oh, this is all building up to Mephisto, and this is all building up to Kang, and then it never is. There's a part of me that loves that you're there, our resident MCU skeptic. Um, And then there's a part of me that wants me to punch you in the stomach. (laughs) <laughs> i am the realist of the group yeah i'm an honesty broker it, it disappoints me that sometimes now you're right about the mcu it happens you know like not like when you're saying iron man's not a great movie it really was it really kind of was but um you're judging it by the context of you know, 20 movies later, I'm judging it by the context of its time period. No equivalent. Well, of, it's great. Of the dark Knight. It's, it's easily applicable to the, uh, it's easily comparable to the dark Knight. The no. dark Knight's better. 
leaps and bounds. No, not leaps and bounds. Even the Spider-Man it's movies It's a completely were, different movie, first of all. Spider-Man movies were better than no, Iron Man. No, I disagree. The Toby McGuire. It's already been proven that you just don't like origin flicks. I do like origin flicks. Name I, one that's not Batman Begins. Batman Begins. No, I said <laughs> name one that's not Batman Begins. Um, I did love the Captain America First Avenger? First Avenger's great. How did you like Captain America First Avenger, but not Iron Man? Because First Avenger actually told a great story. You know how many people disagree with you on that? Well, they can be wrong, and that's fine. Okay. All right. I'm Um, here to give them high fives and hugs. (laughs) And a small consolation prize. Rebuttals. (laughs) He's not giving you his love, but he'll give you a hug. (laughs) Uh, Danica Giesman in Wichita, she says this. Oh, she's got like, this is a scenario question. Oh, all right. This is too bold. You find yourself completely alone this evening and able to watch anything you want on your TV. You have ample time for anything. What do you pick? Now, Danica, in this scenario, am I on like Dayquil or something? (laughs) Something to help me stay awake? Do I have a never-ending supply of Mountain Dew? Yeah. Because <laughs> that's the problem is, is like I usually find myself in that situation. My wife goes to bed early, and then my kids go to bed, and I try to watch things, and I just can't make it. So my answer today will be different than my answer from like years past and probably of the near future. Time, yeah. Time adjusts everything, and right now – in my very minimal spare time, I am uh, reading Sandman book one. Okay. Nice. And so um, I would rewatch the the Sandman Netflix series. Oh, okay. There you go. I, because, need, to, I need to watch that. Like, as I was reading uh, through book one and seeing like, oh, they really didn't change that much. They kept true to the story or the heart of it. Um, which the first episode really long to get through because Sandman's trapped. Spoiler alerts. Um, but like the the scenes in the TV series that like caused me to choke up and actually tear up, um, that in the graphic novel carries through as well. And okay. so um, it it brings about a lot of emotions. Yeah, yeah, That's, and I, cool I themes going on some biblical themes um yeah i'm i'm here for it very nice um i need yeah i need to watch that i do need to watch that there's there's so many things i need to watch um if i was if i went home right now and i could guarantee that i was going to be awake for the the length of a movie what i would go home and turn on right now if i knew i wasn't going to be disturbed is white christmas Mm. white christmas just takes me back it triggers so many like happy memories for me it was just a movie that my mom uh my mom's family they all loved and adored it was a movie that was just kind of on a lot during christmas back before the days of you know dvd players and vcrs and such it was just on tv a lot and anytime we saw it on we just stopped on it during the christmas season and even the you know the movie itself is (laughs) I mean, it's a Bing Crosby movie and it's like, you knew that they were just as broken as us, the people back then, but they just hit it so much better. It made you really think that that's what life was like. 
Because that's what life is like. Like in the movies. Like every time they got worried, they were just like, if my bankroll's getting low, you know, like, and he just starts singing a song. I count my blessings instead of sheep. Mm. I fall asleep. I mean, seriously. So basically, we need to make real life more like the movie Grease. Yeah, sure. <laughs> That's what I'm taking from it. No, more like White Christmas. More like the TV show Glee. I have this dream that I've always wanted to be. I want to take a train somewhere, like a long train trip. And I think it's probably because of the movie White Christmas, because there's a, you know, a sequence where they take a train ride to Vermont, America's winter playground. Is, is that what we call Vermont? Well, that's what they call it in the movie. They go to Pine Tree. Pine Tree, coming in the Pine Tree. I know that if you go to Canada, you're supposed to take some of Vermont's finest maple syrup with you. Why? And give it as a gift to your distinguished host. That's a thing? That's a real thing? Why? Um, it's on The Office. Oh. <laughs> oh, okay. I must have missed that episode. Anyways, yeah, that's the movie I'd watch. I love White Christmas. It makes me feel, it makes me, it literally turns me into Clark Griswold when he's watching home movies. It's just, it's that movie that triggers all the nostalgia for me and makes me feel like singing like Bing Crosby. Good times. Yeah. All right. Um, we'll, we'll get some more, we'll get another social media post up there soon for more questions to ask us during the lobby segment. Now we're going to go get ready, go back into the main studio to, to talk about what we're here to talk about. And that is the pop culture. We're thankful for come on back. main home studio getting ready to talk about it's it's thanksgiving cody we're feeling gratitude we're feeling grateful not just for being alive for another year which but we're super grateful for that oh yeah super grateful for every day that god gives us and uh super grateful for the things we get to do but in the sense of this podcast we've been okay we're just over a year now in our podcasting days about pop culture so we figured Let's talk about what just what we're thankful for in pop culture right now. We we talk about the things we loved growing up a lot. What are we thankful for right now? I'm going to cheat on one of these because I'm going to talk about something I've been thinking a lot lately that's older entertainment, but I've been thinking about them lately. Um, and I'll probably cheat a little bit as yeah. well. Yeah. So. Okay. So let's just, do you want to start the pop culture you're thankful for right now? Um. I guess I can go first. Oh, do you, I can go first if you want. You go first. Okay, I'll go first. Um, I don't know why, but he's just been coming up a lot recently in the news. There's a documentary being made about this guy uh, by Ryan Reynolds and his uh, his uh, movie company. And I, I recently saw something else about him uh, because it's Thanksgiving and the best Thanksgiving movie ever made is planes, trains, and automobiles, in my opinion. Um, and so I've been thinking a lot about John Candy and just how much I miss John Candy. 
Oh, they're coming out with a 4K DVD edition of Planes, Trains, and Automobiles with something like... 87 extra minutes? Yeah. And they... <laughs> so you... Sh- was it you that shared the clip with me? Yeah. Where he's like eating a hot dog and smoking at the same time? Hilarious. I was like, how did this get cut from the movie? It's And he's flicking crumbs off... <laughs> oh, man. And I just... I seriously, I want to tell you, Cody, I laughed and, and actually shed a tear mm. because I was like, man, we don't, we don't have anyone like John Candy anymore. Yeah. And, oh, so I'm going to tell you a guilty pleasure I just purchased yesterday. Okay. Um, relating to John Candy. Facebook knows me because they listen in on your conversations, um, but that there was this uh, T-shirt uh, business that makes these graphic tees from movies and TV shows, and they had a Gus Polinsky uh, King of Polka shirt. Oh, my goodness. And it will be at my house sometime before Christmas. That is amazing. That is amazing. And, and you can't talk about that without talking about that. He ad-libbed all that. He did. That was not... In a script, he and just became Gus Polinsky Polka King. Polka, Polka, Polka. Oh, Indiana Polka. <laughs> literally, some of the best scenes of the whole movie. My favorite scene of the whole movie is when he talks about leaving his kid at the funeral home. And <laughs> <laughs> like it took therapy, it, but kids are resilient. Kids are resilient. John Candy, I know he was Canadian, but can we call him a national treasure? <laughs> um, he was a continental treasure. Oh, man. I, I don't know why, but all of this stuff that's come out with him with the documentary and then f- seeing that clip you sent me the other day, I have not watched Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, but I plan on doing it tomorrow on Thanksgiving. We're recording this on Wednesday night, as it would turn out. Uh, but I'm so excited to um, watch planes, trains, and automobiles as I do once a year around Thanksgiving. And he's so amazing in this movie because he really, him and Steve Martin elevate this movie. This is a road comedy. I yeah. mean, how many road comedies have been made over the year? Tons. It's simple. Millions. And granted, John Hughes is the director and he's great. But uh, if you put two other dudes in this movie, it's it's just a road comedy. But him and Steve Martin elevate it to a classic. And Candy's performance is so, so good in this movie because he's called to be obnoxious. His character is literally obnoxious. I can remember when I saw this as a kid, I remember thinking Steve Martin was right, right? So like the whole conceit of the movie is, is that that John Candy's character is so obnoxious and annoying and Steve Martin is just kind of keeps crossing paths with him. And it's like fate is trying to keep them together. And he's just trying to get home in time for Thanksgiving with his family. And you feel like Steve Martin when you, when I remember watching this as a younger person, but now when I watch it and you see the little things that there's little nuance in John Candy's performance where even though he's obnoxious, even though he's annoying, you're like, oh, I feel for this guy. I feel for this guy. And then when you find out his story at the end, oh man, I cry big. I big cry at the end of planes, trains, and automobiles. Every single time, I big cry. 
partly because I miss John Candy and partly because his performance is so stinking good in this. It's just impossible not to love. Um, I mean, have you seen Home Alone? Yes. Have you seen Cool Runnings? Oh, um, even Wagons East, the the film that he died right before it was finished, like he's phenomenal in it. The, the movie gr- itself is not that great, but the Great Outdoors. Oh, that's a classic. There was even one like early mid mid to early eighties called Summer Rental, which I loved. Which he took his family on a vacation, similar to Great Outdoors, except they go to a beach. <laughs> I mean, oh man, John Candy was just the best. I actually had a text conversation with our friend Sam. Yes, and apparently I talked about planes, trains, and automobiles recently. Is that right? It sounds like something you would do. It does. And uh, he he texted me uh, and said, um, he texted me and said, I, I find it interesting that you uh, like planes, trains, and automobiles because I'm a pastor. He says, like, given the fact that one of the scenes, he drops about 18 (laughs) F-bombs. And I had to tell Sam, well, I wasn't always a Christian, Sam. (laughs) But I still watch it once per year, even though I am now. Uh, I don't let my kids watch that scene. But I think that one scene earned that movie like a, I think it has an R rating because of that scene. Eek. Yeah, and, and literally, I believe that that's really the only objectionable scene well now you can add smoking while eating a hot dog (laughs) well it's and it's just a hilarious scene (laughs) anyways um i'm just really thankful for the life and work of john candy right now really thankful i'm glad you covered john so then i didn't have to take up another spot oh okay because like this time of year like John Candy movies do come up, I feel uh, quite more frequently. Whether it is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, or Home Alone, or uh, even Uncle Buck, mm. yeah, also a cl- a classic. Yeah. So, um, mine to start off with, and it's going to shock you. You better hold on to your seats. I'm holding. It is MCU Phase Four. Oh, wow. I am, look at look at Cody shocking everyone with MCU Phase Four love. I am like the only one that really evidently enjoyed Phase Four. Now hold on, I thought about saying the MCU anyways because, I, well, we've talked about it all before. There, it, I think it's hard to satisfy everything in every category now. Um, I mean, even the movies that I wasn't like, oh my goodness, this was great. Like, um, they weren't bad. And the TV series, I enjoyed them. Um, yeah, so did I. Yeah. And it definitely. So I know a lot of people are upset because we had all these like universe building in like climatic uh, movies before, especially in game um, and that everyone's wanting the next infinity saga to happen immediately. 
you have to do a soft reboot. And I think they executed it well. Um, I preferred them actually letting the directors have more influence in guiding over these movies because although there are little snippets of things that will probably be relevant in the next phase, ah, this is just you getting these characters or you getting Korg telling the story of Thor post guardians time or whatever. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm here for it. I like them taking, I guess if you want to say bold chances, um, even though it's a well-established property now that like no one's saying, Oh, the MCU is collapsing and will be dead in a year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that's funny because I think um, I almost put the MCU as one of my three because it kind of stinks to have a show like this in some sense, because I am just super thankful they make entertainment like this. Oh yeah. The comic book lover in me, who's a kid who just loved comic books just thinks it's just an amazing time to be alive. Like that they actually make movies of this stuff. I dreamed of this. So even when we come on a pod and I say, man, I really was hoping that they'd have this, or I was disappointed in this direction. Just know I'm still loving it. I still love the MCU and I still love DC movies. Really? I, I want them to be good. Um, that's because they are good. Okay. Well, sure. We can talk about that some other time, <laughs> but yeah, I I'm with you and I think the MCU is great and I love the MCU. I'm excited about it. Um, I like, Hey, I even enjoyed parts of Thor love and thunder. It's not like I didn't enjoy it. It's not like it wasn't funny. That was, was the whole point of the movie was to be funny. It was so underappreciated. Like well, I am flying the Thor love and thunder banner by myself. And I thought about saying, making the MCU one of my three. And I'm glad you did because I think what happens is, is the MCU has become the biggest thing in Hollywood ever. And the money, I mean, I'm talking about money earned. It's, it's not even close. The MCU has, just destroyed the rest of Hollywood until you get avatar. No, whatever no. the long title is. No. It has to make like a billion dollars just to make its money back. Did you know that? Yes. It has to be in the top four of grossing all time movies. Do you know how absurd that is? That is bananas. <laughs> and I'm like, have we seen James Cameron movies lately? Like they're okay. And James Cameron is one of these dudes who would talk trash on the MCU. I'm over that. Quentin Tarantino made headlines this week because he was said things, some disparaging things about that him and Scorsese, all y'all Simu Lou came at him hard. Yeah. He said, Hey man, I like the golden age of Hollywood too, but it was awful white up in here. I was like, Oh, Simu. <laughs> Yeah, right? It was. I was like, hey, yeah, you can hate on the MCU all I want, but you can't you can't hit them about like, you know, being more diverse. They're making movies more diverse. And no matter how you feel about that, I mean, you may hate it. Like, you look, you may not have liked She-Hulk. She-Hulk was quirky. It was it was aimed at a particular audience. It was aimed at me. <laughs> I didn't love every part of She-Hulk, but I'm glad they did it. I'm glad they tried it 
because they're aiming at audiences that aren't used to getting aimed at. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, like the, the one property I did not watch, um, was Miss Marvel was Miss Marvel. And that was aimed at a particular subset, mostly teenagers. It appealed to young people. And so my kids loved it. And I know several people that do, and I would not say a discouraging word about people connecting to stories. Now, my discouraging comments from the one episode I watched was be nice to your parents. <laughs> be nice to your parents. And like not all tradition is evil and bad. We don't have to make every world religion and their religious yeah. backgrounds and beliefs to be pure evil. Well, that's just like look, Hollywood in general is going to be kind of anti-religion right now it's just yes. time and place. it's just time and place that's the culture and so like that would be my takeaway from that one episode and i'm like this one might not be for me captain marvel i enjoyed it but it wasn't like oh i need to go watch this 15 times <laughs> so yeah. yep okay that's surprising answer from cody mcu phase four loose cannon that's right um I'm thankful for Funko. Yeah. I love Funkos. If you've listened to this podcast at any length or the radio show at any length or the radio pods where we give you some bonus pods, um, you know, I love Funkos. I talk about them a lot. They're not a perfect company. No. Um, like they, <laughs> they do some dumb things. I think sometimes they try, they try a lot of things. Uh, they draw a lot of complaints from complex from collectors, but I think it's because they try different things. So I think it's good in that way that they try a bunch of different things. I do have beef with them right now though. Why do you have beef with Funko? So they bought out Mondo. Okay. And I'm still waiting on a poster. Oh yeah. Well, Funko. Okay. So like, that probably isn't Funko's fault. I wouldn't go that far. Funko are not known to be timely shippers. You loose cannons. <laughs> <laughs> Funko has a problem with meeting deadlines. That's a Funko thing. But like, here's just, just the, from a, from a plain standpoint, I dig that they create collectible items that are, 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 a reflection of pop culture because it allows me to enjoy a hobby with my kids. I did get the flocked, uh, eagerly and peacemaker hugging. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I mean, how many generations can say that, that they could share a hobby? Usually you're not interested in what your parents are interested in. Cause like, you know, if like, you know, when we were growing up, my dad, I wasn't into this, but maybe your dad was like into collecting stamps, which was just, just like, cause that's what old people did, man. It's like, Oh, you want to see my stamp collection? Like, no, I want, I want to read my comics, you know? So growing up, my dad wasn't like, he didn't have this, but when I got into it, he got into it as a way to connect. Um, and that was, uh, sports cards like basketball oh, and baseball, yeah. football, yeah, so I have a never-ending supply of cards from the 90s. I will say that the the male counterparts there have that 
where some people, yeah, they got into sports memorabilia together, but I have never seen families that collect Funkos. I've never seen families that do a hobby together more than I've seen it in Funko collecting. Um, my kids like Funkos, of course, the because they make Funkos of the stuff they like. Yeah. So my daughter's into Harry Potter. Harold Potter. And my kids, I, there were a couple out-of-box Funkos I just ended up with. I gave them to my four-year-old Iron Man. He loves it. He loves his Iron Man Funko. And every time I get a Funko in the mail, it's like, what Funko did you get, Dad? Uh, it's nice. It's nice to have a hobby. My dad despised my comic book collecting hobby. I know he did. And my mom, I don't think, got it either. Oh. And so it's it's just nice for me to be able to share this with them. If only they had really supported and nurtured it. Because, like... There was that Raiders player that retired last week because he sold a rare Pokemon card. Dude sold a Pokemon card and told the NFL twos. I'm out. <laughs> Deuces. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's like backwards. You get into pro football to retire at a young age. This dude collected Pokemon cards, sold a rare Pokemon card for millions and was like, I'm out. So, yes. Collectibles. Although oftentimes you won't cash in, you're creating memories. Yeah. I dig that Funkos span a, a large swath of pop culture. I'm really into the NFT part of it now. Um, so Funko got into NFTs a while back here, maybe about a year ago or just over a year. And you buy packs of NFTs and then you can, they're rare, but you can get these NFTs that are redeemable for physical Funkos. And the value of those is through the roof. So if you can get a hold of one. They're great. Now, the shipping schedule is a little behind. People are getting a little annoyed by that. Uh, but I just got my Scooby-Doo Funkos in the mail. They came undamaged? It's like winning the lottery. <laughs> um, that would be like winning the lottery. I got a package in the mail yesterday, oh. and it looked like someone had just done the hokey pokey all over it. Who was it from, Amazon? It was. Yeah. Yeah, I got a package from Amazon this week as well. I got the No Way Home, Spider-Man No Way Home Statue of Liberty. Oh, yeah. And literally, they put it inside a box. No sorter, nothing. It was a Funko in a box just rattling around. No cushion, no bubble wrap. These savages. Loose cannons. Yeah. So, yeah, what I'm saying is Amazon sucks. Slash the United States Postal Service might not be the best. I mean, honestly, the box looked fine. The outer box. Mine did not. No. (laughs) (laughs) Literally. (laughs) Looked like someone drop kicked it, huh? There were ridges where it had been crushed. (laughs) And uh, thankfully, it wasn't anything important. What was the Funko? Oh, it wasn't a Funko. Oh, I thought you said it was a Funko. No, it was just a package. It was just a normal package. It was a shelf. Oh, because my wife wanted to display these fancy rocks and crystals well, instead of Funkos. It, it, since it wasn't, since you didn't get a Funko, can we have a moment of silence for my Statue of Liberty Funko? <laughs> the Funko made it fine. The box did not. So that's now an out of the box one. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. It's kind of, I'm a box snob when it comes to Funkos. Um, it's I, half the value. It is like... As long as it's not like 
holy cow, someone just scribbled <laughs> all over this with the razor blade. Yeah. I'm good. I mean, in all, like, look, there was one bad area on the box. It's still fine. I could still sell it for, you know, probably three fourths value if I wanted to. Millions of dollars. No. No. Uh, what's what? What's next? What are you thankful for? Okay, so here's uh, my old school one, I guess. Okay. Um, although my next run one, DMC. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's tricky. It's uh, tricky to rock a rock to rock. Anyways, yeah. So I'm going to go with um, graphic novels and books. Oh yeah, because like this summer. Um, Right before, like, my summer classes started and right after my summer classes ended, I binged a ton of books and a ton of graphic novels and um, some Stevie King stuff, Mm -hmm. um, which uh, my wife's, like, super huge into Stephen King stuff. And I'm like, eh. It's rubbed off on you. Yeah. And so I uh, got to do that. And uh, it's kind of interesting especially with like the comic book stuff um, to uh, especially with adult eyes to go back through it um, (laughs) and see like, Oh, okay. So they took this part, but then completely disregarded this and then added this random thing in. And so then it's like, okay, like I, I see why Marvel or DC did what they did. Um, or holy cow, they missed a golden opportunity with this. Like, so with Sandman, cause I'm still hung up on that. Um, there, there's one opportunity they missed by having it on Netflix, but I'm glad it's separate from the DC properties, uh, from the past couple of years, just because it seems like, the executives were hot mess express. Um, <laughs> and that is like, there's Sandman's looking for, uh, his Ruby. And, uh, he goes to the justice society. Oh yeah. And they don't have the rights to the justice society on Netflix. So you right. don't get like this dude, going through like a Rolodex to see if he should contact Superman or not. <laughs> yeah. That'd have been cool though. Yeah. And who does he end up contacting in the graphic novel? Uh, Martian Manhunter. That's amazing. Manhunter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you, you were denied that Netflix viewers, uh, but I, you do get some cool scenes and, um, you get some unique changes, but like it doesn't change the story. So, mm. Um, yeah, I, I'm happy for the the intellectual properties that come from the written genres, yeah, and make their way to the big screen. Um, yeah, it it also helps connect. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, with other people, and so like my wife's more of a reader, and but we'll watch the movies together and then she'll be like, Cody, you really need to read this. And if I actually do read it, then we can have a deeper discussion about it. Very good. Yeah, Neil Gaiman had had some 
you know, very it's had some control over the Netflix series. So it's pretty faithful. Oh yeah. To his original source material. And why wouldn't you be faithful to Neil Gaiman? He's an incredible writer. Phenomenal. Yeah. Um, I'm also reading some graphic novels right now. We picked them up at the uh, Air Capital Comic Con. Shout out to them in Wichita. Yes. Recently, I picked up the first three volumes of graphic novels of John Byrne's Superman run. John Byrne, great um, inker, illustrator of comics back in the, this was from like the late 80s, I think. And man, it's like Superman. It's like modern Superman, but it has that old school feel. Mm-hmm. And it just nailed. It gets Superman right, man. He's like, he he he's literally like the Jesus figure of comics in, in when you're doing Superman right, where he believes the best of everyone. He just he has this belief that everyone can be good if he's got they've got it in them, you know. Yeah. And and he's just uh, I love Superman when he's written like this and John Byrne has this run and I'm reading through these comics and in this comic like Lex Luthor's like the main villain in it and Brainiac's in there and it's just man it's really nostalgic it really sends me back. John Byrne also did a, my favorite run in the Fantastic 4 when She-Hulk was a member, not the thing. So the thing kind of goes off his own way to be like a pro wrestler. As one does. <laughs> and She-Hulk was actually a member of the Fantastic Four in this uh, very good John Byrne run. And um, yeah, so I'm reading those right now. And they're they're just awesome. They just they take me back to the time when I was really, really into comics. And it's really this kind of like old-fashioned feeling of Superman, even though like they were trying to update him. So like Lois Lane has like that short Bob haircut that was like big in the late 80s, early 90s. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's weird in that way because usually Lois Lane has long hair. Um, not when she is with uh, Dean. Dean. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Dean Kane. Yes, I can't remember. That Terry Hatcher. She did have short hair in that. She did. Well, you want to know why? I think that series is directly modeled off the John Byrne run. Well, in fact, I'm going to just say it. I'm going to name it and claim it. Uh, having not read that run and also being a young kid during that series, <laughs> my memories are going to say, go for it. That was Terry Hatcher long before she was a desperate housewife. See, I had forgotten Terry Hatcher was Lois. Yeah. I just remember Dean Kane because he was Ripley's Believe It or Not, dude. See, kids, boys from the 80s, they don't forget about Terry Hatcher. We all had a crush on Terry Hatcher. Yeah. Anyway. Dean Kane did too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, my third thing that I'm thankful for is, um, you know, there, there, there wasn't, when it comes to Christmas movies, after Christmas Vacation, there's a long time where, where they don't really make a lot of Christmas movies. There was a couple in there, maybe like the Family Stone. There was the Ben Affleck one that I wasn't a big fan of. But there's just not that many Christmas movies. And then Elf comes out, right? Yeah. And Elf becomes like a classic. But it's not like, you know, it's not like the early, you know, the earlier times when it seems like Christmas classics were coming out all the time. Um, and now, and, and I'll include last year with it. It seems like there's this renewed resurgence into making new original Christmas movies. And I'm really thankful for that. 
Well, Dave, some valued listeners of the podcast will point out that you must not have the Hallmark Channel. No. Because I'm, they've okay. been making Christmas movies left and right. I'm not counting the weird romantic <laughs> Christmas Hallmark movies. <laughs> I know that those are a craze, but none of those are going to stand the test of time. Nobody can even remember their favorite ones from last year. They uh, make so many of them, and they're all the same. Candace Cameron Bure is not happy. With all due respect to Candace Cameron. Who, like, <laughs> no, I, I just, those don't count. I'm talking about Christmas favorites that span, span Jingle all the way. And I mean, people loved Jingle all the way, which is weird because it's not a great movie. Um, so... I think people my age and younger really have a, a passion for the Santa Claus movies. Mm-hmm. Yep. That was one. That was one of the odd ones. Like, I'm one of the weird ones that I like Elf, but I am not super infatuated with Elf. But a lot of people my age are. Blasphemy. But I think it's also because I do have a bit of a Will Ferrell bias. Yeah. That once I've seen Will Ferrell in one thing, I have seen Will Ferrell in most things. <laughs> so I am just really thankful. So last year they came out, there were Christmas movies last year that were new and original 8-bit Christmas. Did you watch that one? Not yet. Oh, man, you got to watch it. Neil Patrick Harris, the NPH. <laughs> he's in it. It's great. It's like, it's super nostalgic, which I think the best Christmas movies are nostalgic. Um, I, like I, I would put a Christmas story. I think that's why a Christmas story hits people in such a way because it comes out in the eighties, but it takes place in like the fifties. Yeah. And, and it's just, it hit people in the nostalgia place where they, it reminded them of their old Christmases. And I think the best Christmases movies are like that. And eight bit Christmas was like that because it takes place in the eighties or most of it. It's like a flashback. He's telling mm. a story. And so the, I was really thankful last year when it appeared there was a lot. And this year, we're just getting a bevy of them. They're spirited with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. Yes. Um, there's the Christmas Story Christmas, a real sequel. Like, we don't talk about the other sequel that wasn't, that was all different people. This one has the real Ralphie, the real characters from the old movie. And Ralphie comes back to his house after his pops passes away. Mm but I haven't watched that one yet, but I'm looking forward to it. We're also getting, there's another new one, right? Um, uh, there was guardians, guardians of the galaxy, galaxy. Christmas, Christmas special. Yeah. With Kevin Bacon. Yeah. So there's just a whole bunch of new Christmas movies out there. I'm super thankful for it. Are, are you looking forward to watching any of these? Oh yeah. Like guardians is definitely a must watch. I will watch the Ryan Reynolds, Will Ferrell one just because like, while they were filming it, they made a TikTok that went viral it, with them singing and harmonizing, and yeah, that was kind of cool. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll watch it. Okay, I, I'm just gonna say. So, here's what we're gonna do. I, I'm, I'm, I, I must admit, I, I brought this up for a purpose. The next few weeks of the pod, as we're preparing for Christmas. We're going to have like the first half of the, the will be the normal show where we'll talk about some pop culture news, but then we are going to mini review. We're going to have mini reviews of a different new Christmas movie each week. And we're, we're going to allow you to vote on them. 
We're Home put, Alone. W- no, no. <laughs> Although there was a new Home Alone movie that came out last year. I didn't watch that one. Right? Mm-hmm. On Disney Plus. Was it any good? Um, no one watched that. I don't know. I think some people swear on it. How dare they? Have you not seen Home Alone 1 and 2? Yeah, I know. There's I the know. wet bandits, and then there's the sticky bandits. <laughs> I think we have to include the new Home Alone movie, because I didn't watch it, you didn't watch it. So maybe someone will vote for it. What we're going to do is we're going to put polls on the Pop Culture Pastor community page, which if you're not in that group, join the group. Yes. And then we're going to, because we can't put polls on the regular page. They won't let us. So we're going to put polls on the community page and allow you to vote on which Christmas movie, new Christmas movie, we are going to review the next pod. Jingle all the way. Cody's not so sure about this. I will tell you, I've already watched Spirited with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell, and I kind of loved it. I kind of loved it. It was actually good. I was not expecting to be wowed by it. But it's playing with some real good themes because it's based on a Christmas carol. So the themes in it are really like we could dig into this biblically. And Ryan yeah. Reynolds and Will Ferrell. I mean, I know you're not you're, you're not totally a Will Ferrell guy, but Ryan Reynolds is amazing in this movie. He's uh, always amazing. Two guys, a girl in the pizza place. Yeah. So I'm really thankful that we're making a lot of new Christmas content. And who knows? Maybe one of them will be the next classic. That'll be an ongoing question in our mini reviews from now until Christmas. Is this the next Christmas classic? We'll be able to answer that question. I am going to give a preliminary answer of probably not. You're so cynical. (laughs) I am when it comes to Christmas movies. Like some are great and then some are trash. Listen, listen, you're, you're right though, because... It takes a boy. It takes lightning in a bottle to make a Christmas classic. Oh yeah. Um, and like, so the Christmas story sequel, I believe won't become one just because it's a sequel. It's beholden to the original. Mm-hmm. And so it might be entertaining. It might be fun, but it can't, it won't become a Christmas classic. And there's like a weird gap. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I have seen the trailer for it. And while I'm intrigued, Ralphie kind of freaks me out old. <laughs> Old Ralphie freaks me out. <laughs> it's the same dude. I don't know why we feel freaked out about him being old. I don't know. He he talks and his voice is real deep. And I'm just like, that's not Ralphie. <laughs> but it is Ralphie. It quite literally is Ralphie. Yeah. Anyhow, I'm thankful for new Christmas movies to watch. Okay. What's your last thing? My last thing. Um, so... All mine have the theme of connectivity because this season, it is about connecting with friends and family, loved ones. Um, And eating. And eating. (laughs) Um, This one is my new best friend. Okay. James Gunn. Your new best friend, James Gunn. And why is he your best friend? Why is he your new best friend, Cody? So... Um, it's because he liked one of my responses on, on Twitter, on Twitter. And so that was amazing, but here's why I'm actually choosing him. Y'all should see this. His face is all lit up right now. He's Um, smiling like a kid in a candy shop. There was squeaks and squeals (laughs) when it happened and shrieking. Um, one time I got retweeted by the band journey. And so, yeah, I get it. 
Yeah. It's a big deal. <laughs> um, so, but the, the question that he had uh, quote tweeted and uh, it was about what like artist uh, our song do you know that is a cover, but you wouldn't know it's a cover because it's so popular. And he mm. listed off a bunch of them. Yeah. And then I responded with mad world. Yeah. Um, because like if you grew up post 1990, you did not know tears for fears sang that song. Listen, I like tears for fears and I forgot they made that song. <laughs> Because, like, there's a way better version out yeah, there. The Gary Jules version is the definitive version of Mad World. It is. And, um, like, when I'm watching uh, Donnie Darko, there's, like, two or three Tears for Fears songs that Tears for Fears is singing, and I love it. And then they have Gary Jules' Mad World in it. And yeah. I'm like, there's a reason we did not go with the Tears for Fears version. But I digress. But so he liked it, and he, he I was I was excited about that. And then I told you about it, and it connected us even deeper because I told you like early on in my uh, being a youth pastor days, um, like every one of my youth rooms had a piano, and the kids would go up to it in the one song that they would just start playing the intro to is mad world. And they would like every one of them knew it. And I don't know how this is a universal thing. Cause we talked about this. Yes. And then you brought up that kids your age mm -hmm. were doing it, but with Motley crew home, sweet home, home, sweet yeah. home. And I then brought up, a series that you have not yet to watch. Peacemaker, John Cena walks up to a piano and starts playing Home Sweet Home <laughs> on the piano. And who directed and executive produced that series? None other than James Gunn. And who is now saving and guiding DC <laughs> with the help of Peter Saffron? James Gunn. So James Gunn is connecting us all again. He's connecting the generations. That that is a weird thing about generations, though. Like when you were a kid, the kids that took piano lessons, there's that one song. Yeah. Depending on what was big in the pop culture. For me, in like late 80s, early 90s teenager, it was Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue. The do 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 do. Like, you know, there was that whole piano intro. And then, yeah, for apparently millennial kids and you know maybe older gen zers yeah it's uh it's mad world by gary jules yeah mm -hmm. that's interesting it's interesting also the office yeah <laughs> the office theme song i know a bunch of kids in my youth group that can play that <laughs> that has like taken up like huge in popularity yeah yeah that's good that's really good. So, James Gunn. Thankful for, like, we're all thankful for James Gunn, aren't we? And with his uh, most recent project that's going to drop this week, um, Guardians Christmas, mm. I'm excited for it. And we still have one more James Gunn movie in the MCU. Yep. Uh, the Christmas special is getting good buzz from people that have seen it. And I mean, 
this dude has worked in Marvel. He's clearly a comic book fan because yeah. the stuff that he brings up in Peacemaker and his Suicide Squad movie, um, like there's obscure characters. And people are like, oh my goodness, I forgot this person even existed. <laughs> this is great. Um, and like the way he's handled um, everything since being announced as one of the co uh, leads of the DCU as it is being titled now uh, has been great. Um, he, he's even been like very complimentary of um, the guy that did the f- original or first Suicide Squad movie. Um, is it Ayers? Yeah, yeah. Um, Release the Ayers cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, people keep tweeting him that and uh Ayers released a statement and then James Gunn said, like, we have, we're actually friends. We talk about things and nothing is off the table. And, but they're focusing on going forward. But we're trying to move forward and create a cinematic universe that everyone will enjoy. Yeah. And so giving some guidance and, I mean, really, he can't do any worse. Oh, no, no. The past DC couple, only can go up, baby. The, the past couple years had so much turmoil within them. Um, I think Snyder did a great job, and I think that Snyder can have a universe, and it would hit home with some diehard comic book fans. Yeah. But, like, it's not going to be connecting to, like, everyone because, like, you don't tell the extreme stories early on. Yeah. And yeah. Snyder was trying to make up for where Marvel had already been building and building, and, like, we got to instantly catch up. It wasn't a good place to be in. But I think James Gunn and, and Saffron will, will do a good job. Well, James Gunn gets it because, like, I think the biggest problem with the old DCEU is that they said, oh, gritty Batman works. So let's make gritty other superhero movies. And nobody nobody wants gritty Superman. That's not what people want. No. Nobody wants gritty Flash, gritty Aquaman. It's just, it's not appealing. Um, And, I mean, he's announced a couple of big characters that will be in the future for DC. And... um yeah, I th- I think it we're going in good places. We, so I'm thankful for some hope yeah. in DC land. We are in agreement. We are both thankful for Jimmy Gunn. And frankly, it's nice to see someone who was a, clearly a geek like us growing up who's who's got the control now. Yeah. Like I'm really hopeful for DC now. Like I'm really hopeful that they're going to make some some stuff that I really want to see. Side note what was Tears for Fears' greatest song, and why was it Everyone Wants to Rule the World? That would be it. Oh, such a good song. I mean, they have like three or four songs that are on my playlist, but yeah. that one's number one. I mean, I listen to that song, and something happens, and I'm head over heels. <laughs> and, man. Makes you want to shout. <laughs> shout. Makes you shout and shout it out. Let it all out. Um, okay. Yep. 
that is what we're thankful for. Make sure and tell us on our socials when we post this pod uh, to that comment below. When we post it to the Pop Culture Pastor community group, go join that group. Uh, tell us what you're thankful for in the pop culture world right this second because it and might be different. I've heard some people, we, we're talking about Quantum Leap. Apparently, yeah. the TV series Quantum Leap is better than we might have thought. Um, since I didn't grow up with Quantum Leap, I didn't have any expectations. I did, but I heard Sam, ba- you know, uh, Sam uh, Scott Bakula wasn't going to be a part of it, and I, I, I immediately lost my interest. <laughs> and now people are saying it's good, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to check this out. So uh, I'm, I'm hearing, you know, maybe, maybe you're thankful for Quantum Leap. Maybe you're thankful for La Brea. I mean, probably not, but maybe. <laughs> um, but tell us what you're thankful for. And uh, we'll we'll have discussions about that. Now we have a special treat for you. Come oh, on. nice! Uh, because we've got a young man in my youth group who does music. He's a musician. He's making us a rock outro right now. Snap to the pop to the podcast. A pop culture pastor using our like jingle. He's making a rock outro. I told him. I told him. I, I made him listen to Wayne's World, the rock Wayne's World theme from the movie, as as inspiration. <laughs> Uh, so he's making us an outro, uh, but while you're waiting for that, we figured we he would we would introduce you to him, okay, by way of a of of a song that he just came out with, and it features, um, one moi. It features me. Oh, I thought you were going to say it features the artist Toro <laughs> e Moi. No, no, it features me. Uh, his band's name is Blood Sweat. i love it i love the band name and he and i collaborated with a couple other guys on a cover of hooked on a feeling snap so we are going to play you a little bit of my day this is my debut on spotify i'm featured it's like look it's blood sweat hooked on a feeling featuring dave rimble you are somebody now (sighs) I'm so excited about this. So we're going to leave you with the sweet sounds of, of blood sweats cover to hooked on a feeling. If you like it, go check out the full version on Spotify. Just look up blood sweat. All one word. (laughs) Nice. Don't Google that. Don't Don't Google (laughs) it. Just go to Spotify and search it. And uh, yeah, so here it is hooked on a feeling. We'll see you next week. Taste is on my mind Girl, you got me thirsty For another cup of wine Got a bug from you, girl But I don't need no cure I just stay a victim If I can't for sure All the good love When we're all alone Keep it up, girl Yeah, you turn me on